Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Tornaris podcast. I'm your host, James Leonard, joined by my good friend, Timmy Lamb. Hi, everyone. How are you, Tim? I'm very well, James. That's the job. That's the job. Rowan is on the decks as always. Say hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Good man, good man. <laughs> it's a beautiful summer's evening up here in North West yeah. Cork City. And we've got a great guest who is looking very radiant yeah. that goes with the sun. How are you, Joe? Very good, thanks. Joe O'Brien is from Ballyfian. You're, among other things, you are a healer, a counsellor, a therapist, and a fit gent of a man. Thank you very much. What so, a lovely introduction. And thanks for coming up to meet very us welcome. here. You come recommended, not recommended, but um, for the last few months, yeah. a load of people have slid into our direct messages on Instagram saying, you should get Joe O'Brien on, get Joe O'Brien on, mm. get Joe O'Brien on. So that's how I started following you on uh, Instagram. And I seen your videos, which I thought like was great. And I said it to the boys, mm. we need to get Joe on. So that, then I made contact and then you kindly offered to do a couple of sessions, myself and Timmy. Before we come on, which were amazing, and we'll get into that. But um, look, before we get into it, um, do you want to tell the people that don't know you who you were and where you're from and where you grew up, and just for a bit of context? Yeah, okay. Obviously, I'm, I'm Gerald O'Brien, and um, I must call an EFT practitioner, which stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, otherwise known as tapping. And what this system is, actually, I help people to help themselves mm. move on in life from past traumas and energy blocks and trapped emotions, which is literally life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, from Ballyfehan, I'd be on like, the outskirts of Ballyfehan, heading more towards up Friars Walk. Yeah. And um, I was born in the early 60s, where you could leave the key in the front door. Mm. And the neighbours could walk in at any time, you know. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a wonderful time because everybody was the same. None mm. of us had anything. You know, as the saying goes, yeah. And your parents would probably say that it was uh, it was very little going around back in the early the early sixties. And um, I was the youngest of eight, and um, that's where the hand me downs came in. Yeah. And I had three sisters. Thanks be to God, I didn't get any of the dresses. You know <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> you could have been called Geraldine. It wouldn't have been unheard of really back then, like to get the sisters <laughs> hand me down. Right? Yeah, probably not. You know, but yeah. I got away with that one. Thanks be to God. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've been at um, health and fitness all my life. I still am today, carrying a few injuries and stuff. But um, did you ever uh, were you ever in any particular sport? Um, soccer. Um, Who did you play with? Tremor Athletic. Oh yeah. yeah Casement. Yeah. Um, yeah. School boys. Yeah. Played for Greenmount Rangers then. Yeah. Um, was involved in in uh, martial arts. What um, kind? Shotokan Crary. I started in nineteen seventy eight. Oh, very good. In 
the most incredible club and instructor and my great friend, God bless him now, uh, Mickey Donovan um, from Groen. Mickey was a boxer for the Glen in his early days and uh, he went to the States and came back and he he started to learn Shotokan Karate. An amazing man. I learned so much from him, you know, mm. the foundation. And it, it kind of um, sent me in the right direction in my life then as well with, with physical fitness. And it, mm. it was an awful lot down to Mickey, you know, to mm. be fair. And um, his brother-in-law was um, John McCormack. And he had Francis Hall Crady Club. And a lot of the other guys that might be watching this, or the ladies for that matter, will will remember that. And they were fantastic times, you know. Mm. And the, the training was, was seriously intense very hard. I remember I was training five nights a week and I was also training Green Mountain Rangers myself. I was mm. training them two nights a week coming up to the to the League Cup and the AUL and um, the Enterprise Cup, uh, which we won that year. It was oh, in yeah. 82, you know. But um, very fond memories of Brown Street. And as I said, anybody that's watching this will, will you know, the old heart, the heartstrings will start pulling there because they were great days, yeah. you know. But well, you know that type of karate? Um, what makes that karate different from other karate? Like, is it is it more about striking, or is it is it a grappling type of a match? No, it's, it's like it's more about striking. Obviously, it's a very disciplined sport, yeah. And you can build some wonderful characters and confidence and wonderful ethics and respect, not just for the members of the club, but humanity in general. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I take my head off to Mickey. I learned so much from him. Really tough man, but the most caring, loving guy. Deep no, down inside. You know, when you're able to handle yourself, if you're trained like mm-hmm. that, does that give you a certain air of confidence in situations that things kick off here and go and be okay anyway? Well, in our, I think everybody should should learn or know some sort of a self-defence system. Mm-hmm. I think it should be taught in school. But the most important thing with the self-defence is um, not to get involved in the first place. Mm. Be very aware of your surroundings and who you're interacting with. And um, the discipline, discipline is of yeah. paramount importance and... To always walk away. Always discipline walk away. is this karate is known for having really, really good discipline, mm. particularly with young young kids growing up and if they attack on those the same, mm. you know, they start listening to their teacher and they start respecting them and their teachers start teaching them how to respect people and yeah. they calm them down. Because I've all, I, I I've seen kids go into karate that were really, really hyper and mm. within no time it calms them down and they start yeah finding an interest in it mm-hmm. and they start developing and mm. it's a great sport it's just sport in general but karate for, is definitely an yeah, one it's that fantastic. helps mm-hmm. what did you do after school then what, when you uh, were or, when, early adulthood and after school itself yeah um, I left school very young I left school at 15 um, you could say no education really typical for the time you no? know mm. yeah and um, if you got a trade back then, it was was fantastic mm. because you you know you could go into a trade back then. But I went working with my brother-in-law, who was a plastering contractor at the time, and um, just went working in the summer. And I was going to go back to school. He said, "Why don't you carry on working with us and do a bit of plastering?" You know. Mm. So I said, "Okay." I was only a kid, like. Mm. But I went back to school when it started on the first day. Imagine this happening out today, right? So I said to the teacher, "I said, teacher, I've been offered a job by my." Uh, brother-in-law as a plasterer an apprentice plasterer he said what are you doing here so I just got up and I left mm. and even go to the principal you know whether mm. my mother took care of that afterwards or what it's I don't know gas times aren't yeah, yeah and I, I, I was back working I was back on site the following day and um, I've worked 42 years in construction as mm. a plasterer go ahead 
you know. You were plastering for that month time, Joe? 42 years, yeah. Fucking hell. And um, I absolutely time. loved what I did. I did a lot, a lot of work up around the north side mm, yeah. with all the fibre splashing and that, the cornicing and the coving and that, you know. Yeah. So, um, like the Derby O'Gill's pub now yeah, and yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, the old distillery, I did all the, the ceiling work and stuff like that in there, all the fancy stuff, so to speak. Yeah. So, all the other stuff, the, the the energy tapping and stuff, was that something you'd done outside of the, the plastering and the side or what? The energy stuff came about 15 years ago. Yeah. But there was a, pe- a question posed years ago I was out with some buddies, you know, and somebody just said, um, hi, Gerald, you know, how long are you doing this? It's very interesting. And my buddy jumped in, he goes, Gerald's doing this all his life. And I knew exactly what he meant because I've always tried to help people mm. along the way before I even got into the therapy. And going back about 15 years ago then, um, I just something inside me said that I, I need to do something more because I had this unbelievable desire to really, really make a difference in people's lives. Mm. And um, I started studying, um, like I never studied before, to be honest with you. Mm. And um, I absolutely loved it. And I'm still studying today. I'm learning so much more, besides what I'm actually doing as a therapist now, mm. to be the best that I can be to make such a profound difference in people's lives. Do you think the the karate, um, I'd say the karate helped, because, you know, I think... You no, know, like for um, Shaolin monks mm-hmm. to have their martial arts, Kung Fu, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they also have the spiritual side of it, the side where they keep themselves grounded and humble and centred. Mm-hmm. Do you have that in karate as well? Yeah, you're dead right. Yeah. You're dead mm-hmm. right. In fact, I've, I've known of, a, of another few um, martial artists that went into the, the healing fraternity, you could say, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's something about it. And, um, you know, I was, posed, I was asked a question once, Joe, you were talking about spirituality. What's the difference between... Um, Religion and spirituality, well, I said, uh, or the religious man and the spiritual man. Well, I said, uh, the religious man uh, fears dying and going to hell. The spiritual man has already been there. Mm. Mm. It's true, so true, really. True life's experiences mm. is what you learn. Yeah, and you, you going back to what you said there, we'll go, myself and James have done a few sessions with you there lately mm. as well, and we've both had our own experiences. I haven't been really speaking to James about my own, but... My experience, which I like, as you know, has been profound. Really, is after helping me an awful lot. Um, to 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 go deep into my own past, my childhood, and yeah. and other shit that's going on in my life, you know, and uh, it's it's massive, you know. But I have a piece here, right, and it's the story of you helping somebody in a different situation, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to read it. If that's okay. okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. On Wednesday, the 11th of July, I spoke to a very distressed member of staff who during the conversation said they wanted to slit their wrists. I convinced him to come into the meeting room for an informal chat. Myself and Joe Murphy sat down with him, listened and offered assistance in the form of STS's in-house supports. That's the company's supports. He was in a very, very dark place and vis- he was disturbed. Joe mm. Thought, Joe O'Brien, which is yourself, who has experience in this field with the person's consent, Joe rang Joe, who promptly came to the meeting room. We explained the situation and then both myself and Joe left the meeting room to allow Joe proceed with his therapy techniques. After some time, Jor 
called us back into the meeting room and we sat down again for a chat. We found the person in total, the person in question totally transformed for the person we had before us in the morning. We did not witness the therapy applied, but were truly astounded with the results. He had brought this person back from the brink, the brink of suicide. We are very grateful for the therapy given by Jor to a serious situation to which we found ourselves ill-equipped to handle. The person in question was back to work the following day and hasn't looked back. Can you explain what you actually done for that person on that day okay, and how distressed they were? It's great that you've brought this up, actually, mm. Tim, to be honest, and I'm grateful for that because mm. it's a very, very important topic. Yeah. And um, I was actually on site um, on a major pharmaceutical plant in Cork. There were several hundred men on it, okay? And um, I'd given several talks over three days, several talks a day to hundreds of construction workers on mental health and well-being. And the feedback I was getting was absolutely profound. Now, I was working on site, but I was trying to promote myself as a speaker at the time to go to construction sites and companies to speak about what I do and the benefits of, of what I do, how I could instill it in people that could make a big difference in their lives. Mm. So I'd given the talks and the company were aware that of what I had done and I was back working on site. I was in my gear, PPS and everything, mm. right? And I got a phone call off one of the directors from the company and I went into, into the guys and the two of them were, were very, very shook. They met me at the door and they said, we have a serious situation here. He wants to take his own life. This gentleman, let's call him John, not his real name. And we'd become really good friends after this. Mm. And um, I went in and this guy was literally on his knees. Um, he was traumatised. He was in bits. He was he was crying uncontrollably. Now, lads, I don't care how tough you are. Now, obviously, I, I had to compose myself. But when you look at another human being, especially a grown man, and he's literally on his hands and knees and he's in bits, it's a tough one mm. not to pull on your heartstrings. I'll tell you that now for nothing, okay? Now, to witness that, everything starts to go through your mind. But I know what I was doing. I'm trained at this. So I went in. Three of us were in the room then at this point, And they said, um, will you be able to sort this out? Here? Will we get onto this company and that company and get somebody? I said, you can do whatever you want. They said, this needs to be addressed now. Because he was saying that, it, as I was talking to those guys, I want to take my own life. And... Um, I went over and I just put my hand on his shoulder and I said, uh, what's your name, bud? He told me his name. I said, look, I can help you this morning. I said, if you allow me to. And he just nodded. So I said, I'll take care of this to the two lads. And they said, Jerry, anything you need, just come out to us, whatever. So I spent three and a half hours with him inside in the room and I, I performed EFT on him with him. We spoke about lots of things. Now, what, I, what I'm going to say here, okay, is anybody can go through something like this in their lives. And what happened with this gentleman was there was a culmination of many factors over many situations, circumstances and events, mostly negative in his past life mm. that had brought him to his knees, okay? Now, this could have happened on an aeroplane. It could have happened in Marbella on his holidays, walking down Patrick Street. It hit him like a ton of bricks, okay? The volcano erupted, just couldn't take any more. So the culmination of many factors came up and... He broke down uncontrollably. So we spoke about many things that had happened in his life. A lot of, an awful lot of trauma. And we dealt with 
everything, every single thing that came up in those three and a half hours. And um, he was perfect after that. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I asked the two guys to come in. And when they came in, then there's, and it's not like when I'm talking about this story, there's, there's no ego here or nothing. I'm just, no, I'm just see, telling you a yeah, story, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And um, I was just so happy that I was able to help him. But mm-hmm. the two lads just couldn't believe the difference in him, you know? And um, yeah. he uh, gave me a big hug and uh, there was no more crying and it stopped mm-hmm. and he was back and worked the following day. What was actually going on for him in terms of the physical side? Right, we talk about we just spoke about the trauma. Mm-hmm. He he had a lot of energy, obviously trapped within his emotional mm-hmm. state. Yeah, and you were able to working him yeah. and to get him to talking and and for him to connect with his, his mm-hmm. subconscious and and tap and just for him to release that trapped energy that's yeah. that's given him so much problems and mm-hmm. and. Uh, not allowing him to continue with his life yeah. in the best way he, he, he can and should. Absolutely. Like, what, what, what had happened, as I said, there were so many factors in his life had come to a, a point mm. that morning, and it was very early in the morning, I think it was about 8 o'clock. So um, thankfully the two the two directors were able to get him into the office. Mm. I think he was outside when he was talking about it, and they brought him on site, you know. Mm. So thankfully they got him in. But when I spoke to him, again, like... We're as a result of our past experiences, okay? And we carry that through into our ad- adulthood. And for the most part, it's trapped emotions and traumatic events. Now, everything has an energetic connection to it. Time, places and events and situations, mostly negative for most of our lives' pasts. So all that came up, okay? There was a disruption in, in, in the energy body. And the cause of all known disease and illness is a disruption in the energy body. So I started working on the emotional content and there was so much came up. There was abandonment, there was rejection, there was shame, there was anger, the love unreceived. It was endless what came up mm. uh, trying to deal with the majority of it in, in the space of time. But there was so much coming up and I needed to address it at the time. But before I started with him, I had reassured him that I'd get him through this, you know, that I was there for him and that he was safe. Just, just to, you know, make sure that he felt happy and safe. So I went through the therapy with him and just started to release emotion after emotion. And how do I know the emotion is gone? I literally give a scale of zero to 10. How intense is the anger that you're holding on to? Uh, let's just say it's a 10, so I'll work on the tapping. And um, it's it always comes down. It eventually comes down and it starts to come down. Then we might work on the rejection that comes down. And before you know it, the breathing is better. You know, it's more controlled breathing. Mm-hmm. There's a, the, the complexion starts to change in the face. The body posture starts to change because we're literally releasing these energy blocks. And I'll explain it, that um, we have an energy body and we have a physical body. And the energy body lies just beneath the physical body, the physical skin, also known as the meridian system. And what I do is, it, like, I'm working, you could say, with um, Chinese medicine and, and uh, modern psychology what I'm doing, okay? So I'm tapping on particular acupressure points while we're verbalizing how we feel and how we felt and we start to release that. Now, how does it work? When we tap on particular points, it sends a signal to what's called the amygdala. It's a little part of the brain that's responsible for the fight or flight response and it's also partially responsible for the processing of emotions, okay? And what happens is when you tap, it sends this healing, energetic connection of 
of energy to the amygdala, it starts to distress you straight away, instantly. It starts to lower cortisol levels, rebalances the energy body, and lots and lots of more good things mm. that come with it. Mm. Okay? So by just tapping alone, you're addressing the situations. And I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll use the analogy. It's like um, the energy body is like a fast-flowing river, okay? Just imagine a fast-flowing river. And all the fish in it are healthy. There's plenty of oxygen and everything's going really smoothly. And over a period of time, there's a big rock falls into the river. So the river has to deviate around that, okay? Then there's a tree falls in the river. So the flow of the fast-flowing river starts to slow down considerably. So it has to deviate around the boulder, then around the tree. And eventually there's so much silt falls in from the sides of the river that it comes to a standstill and everything in the river dies and the oxygen is depleted. It's the same with the energy body. Mm. It's like having, we'd say, fear is held in the kidney or the bladder. If that's held in the energy body, that creates a, a blockage. So the flow of natural energy, chi, cannot flow through because of this very real blockage, which is fear. Okay? Anxiety. Everybody has anxiety today. Not everybody. A lot of people have it. Mm. They can associate with it. Anxiety is held in the stomach or the spleen. So that's another block. So when you're talking to somebody, where do you feel the anxiety? Not in my stomach. So the flow of energy is distorted again. It can't go through. So if you've got lots of trapped emotions, eventually disease and illness will start to manifest in the physical body Mm. because we hold on to so many trapped emotions within the internal organ system. Mm. So it needs to be released and unresolved specific events and the emotional content that's related to these events needs to be released. Mm. Otherwise, we'll have mental health issues going forward. And I've always said it, okay? Um, in, in my opinion, there is not a long-term solution for an emotional problem. I mean that medication-wise, okay? Yeah. Because you're suppressing the true cause of your hurt and your pain, which is a trapped emotion. And most people don't want to face their trapped emotions because of the hurt that it brings up. But the only thing we have to fear is facing our own feelings. But when you do face that fear, it falls away on its own accord. And it's life-changing and it's healing when you start to accept where you are at this moment in your life, offer no more resistance Mm. and just allow things to flow naturally. So it's imperative, and I've said this in some of the talks and when I start getting into the schools, to teach children from a very, very young age to embrace their emotions, to feel them, to express them, because if they don't, this will lead to mental health issues down the line. So if we were taught at a very young age how to deal with these, there'd be very little mental health issues. Mm. This needs to be taught in schools. As so many people are going to get an awful lot there from what you spoke about. No, I, I knew a lot of it, but the way you explained it, the way you were able to articulate it mm-hmm. would be a lot better than me, you know, because you're at it so long. And it's amazing how, how we trap all these energies from experiences, you know, yeah. and we live our lives running away from them because we can't sit with it because mm-hmm. we don't know how to. We were never taught to, yeah. you know, and, and we end up using substances and alcohol and gambling and all these different addictions mm. to be able to to keep them down mm. you know below the surface so mm. we don't have to deal with them yeah you know and like from my own experience the other evening with the energy that i felt 
my energy popping up through the top of my head. I felt the energies through, down through the years with meditation, but this time I just got killed there by Rowan for not uh, holding the microphone. But this time I could feel it immediately, and we had a good conversation about it. And I could feel things coming up, and I could feel it up the top of my head. It was like my head was just ready to explode, just mm-hmm. pop, you know. Yeah. Uh, it does work. You and know? When we were doing it, when we were talking there about it happen, I start smiling, right? Because when we were doing it, it happened to me, especially on my chest here. Yeah, I remember I couldn't that, stop yeah. smiling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I tell yeah. you now, I was kind of pissed off, you know, what we were speaking about, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, managing anger you know, and trying to accept situations that are beyond your control mm-hmm. and these type of how, how, do you, how do you deal with that frustration and anger really mm-hmm. and then kind of feelings of you know, being um, worklessness mm-hmm. or body image issues yeah. these are the things that affect me that people mightn't think that you know people think oh James Enner turn on his podcast Tommy Tan and PhD great yeah. you know what I mean I'm human like everybody else That's you know true. what I mean and I have my difficulties and my insecurities still but um, I divulge some of it yourself yeah and I, as I was talking about it then, uh, you helped me work through it. But when you were doing it happen, when you would happen here, I, I couldn't stop smiling. The energy I got from it, it just... I, it's very hard to describe it because I don't yeah. really have the vocabulary to describe it because I don't really understand it. But what I did feel was something in my body and it raised the energy, it raised the... It's like positive vibration through my body. It was mm. like um, smiling come over me that I couldn't even control it. And then you just have to... It's yeah. very hard to explain. Like, yeah. they're feeling a million dollars. Yeah, but there was a massive shift. But like, it's it's a different experience for for everybody. Mm. I can't say everybody's going to get the same results, yeah. you know. But um, I was asked this question on uh, ninety six FM with, with PJ Coogan going back there, and he said, um, you know, when I was on talking about what I do, and look, people are skeptical. That's fine. But uh, PJ posed the question. He said, look, Joe, what? What would you say if people think, oh, this is gobbledygook? So I had to pause for a split second and think, how do I respond to this one? And I said, well, PJ, closed mind is open to nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that puts it into context. If we're open-minded to, to other things out there, you'll be very surprised what you learn, maybe take off the blinkers and be open to learning. Not just about energy therapy, but lots of more things in life. You know, mm-hmm. but as we spoke about everything is energy, as we know. But there's a quote from a gentleman by the name of Wallace D. Wattles, and he wrote The Science of Getting Rich and The Science of Being Well. And it goes like this There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which in its original state permeates, penetrates, and fills the interspaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. Man can form things in his thought. And by producing his thought, can form things in the most wonderful way. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. But he can also produce thoughts that aren't so wonderful. Yeah. Correct. Like you'll think, like you're thinking, and you might be able to articulate this better than me, but your thinking creates your reality, whether you mm. like it or not, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I messed that up and I tried to blag it there, mm. but I'm going back to it halfway through and I'm saying this for a long time, mm. but I want to get it right. Man can form things in his thought mm. and by impressing his thought upon formless substance can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. Mm. Okay, so the more dominant you are with your thought in the, the nothingness, which is everything, mm. which is energy, field. you can create it. Mm. Mm. And, uh, and that could be a positive and a negative thing. Absolutely. You know, because I have yeah. created negative shit in my own life through 
the negative thought patterns. Mm. You know, and I'll give you this analogy of an example of it. For when I got out of prison, right, I had this feeling ingrained into me, right, about um about the guards knocking at the door again for another fucking charge. Mm. And I was fucking... Every time there was a knock at the door, I'd picture a guard knocking at the door and I was bringing up the emotions of the guard knocking at the door, the mm. fear and the anxiety. Little to be told, I had an incident with a, a cyclist and I attracted a guard at my door and I knew then the feelings were already there. Yeah. I wasn't searching for anything new, yeah. but I attracted that into my life. I attracted it in, you know, but you can also do the positive stuff. I've attracted positive stuff into my life and they have came as well. Yeah. And I find that probably a lot easier. I think it does your, um, we create situations that mirror our thinking. Um, and I think if Timmy's, and I've been in this situation too, mm-hmm. dispute there, I won't get into it because he could be watching and use it against me. Like, yeah. but, um, we have this in it. We have this fear, me, Timmy, and probably many people like us. Mm. Um, that when you're when you've been through a situation like we've been through with addiction in prison, and right, you have a criminal record, mm-hmm. you're trying to move away from that old reputation you had. Mm-hmm. You're trying to redefine who you are through education, through relationships, volunteering, work, podcasts, and all these other things. Yeah. So, and that's not me no more. That so mm-hmm. I used to be, but I'm a good person now. You know. Yeah. The thought that that could be taken from you by another conviction. You know, mm, I understand that so then that's the stakes are very high mm. like we lose our credibility with the podcast probably lose our jobs and you know mm, we, yeah. and everything we've worked towards can be taken with another conviction so you're aware of that Timmy's aware of it and I'm aware of it yeah. so then we almost if 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 you're if you get too fixated on that in the brain you nearly create the reality. And they did have guards at my door as well, do you know? Mm. Not in game, but no, there was mm-hmm. nothing really, do you know what I mean? But it was just a little kick up the backside to say, yeah. don't be, do you know, let it go. You're going to be fine, do you know? Absolutely. Yeah. But you get what you think of, whether yeah. you want it or not, so be careful what you think of, because energy follows thought. Now, you said like that you might be somewhat ashamed, that's not the word you use, yeah. from your past and you're trying to move on, and that's not me anymore. But you are who you are now because of what you've experienced mm-hmm. and they're just experiences. Yeah. So it's imperative that you embrace who you are, your younger self, warts and all and everything that goes with it because you wouldn't be you now unless you went through that. That's true. But you're not the person that you were now. Everybody evolves. I'm not the same person I was last week. Mm. Neither are you. So you've, you've transitioned from the experiences, not mistakes, that you've endured in your life that's brought you to a point now which is wonderful, which you're learning all the time. But don't ever fear the past and don't ever be ashamed of what's happened because it's moulded you into who you were, into both of you. And I have the utmost respect and I've only met you. Mm. I take my hat off to you and I mean that genuinely. Thank what you, you're doing, you. you've come Thank such you. a long way and I know I'm going to get to know you a lot more in the future. But um, don't ever be ashamed of what has happened. I know some of us will carry some things that we might have done and stuff, but for the most part, embrace it, accept it, heal, mm. and move on. Yeah, no thanks, mm. it's very wise words. I think that's very important, what you just said there, for a lot of people listening to mm. James, the move on section, mm. move on. You know, especially people that get into recovery and mm. they've had a life of chaos mm. and a lot of trapped emotion mm-hmm. and they can learn all the... They, 
the, the educational section, the intellectual section to understand how the body works and why, why we feel the way we do yeah. because of trauma and stuff. But if they don't feel it in here, it all this stuff up here yeah. really doesn't matter. No, and doesn't, I know that from my own experience. And even yeah. people that are watching now, the people watching this now in residential treatment centres, prisons, Brilliant. people in houses Brilliant. here around Cork mm-hmm. and beyond, you know that might be everyone through very tough lives, yeah. Very what what might be perceived as negative experiences, but they didn't kill you. You're still alive. Yeah. You're watching this podcast. They're they're going to build your character. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Well, one thing I will say, and and uh, I'm, I, it's not that I hope. I don't like using the word. I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of people. That if we don't, how do I put it? If we don't, le- if we don't learn to heal the pain from the past. We will ble- we will bleed all over our future. Mm. That's a good one. We need to move on. That us. is a good one. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Thanks, <Dad. laughs> I never heard that one before. No, it's mine. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That is a, a yeah. natural. We Journal will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great. It's a great way to put it. We'll but, have to get that patent and yeah. Yeah, yeah, copyrighted or whatever. Yeah. But um, but but can I, I just show it in there? And it's it's one of my favorite. Quotes. I absolutely love it. I'm, this is mine. I've, I've done it my own way, and I'm coining it, and I give it to everybody. I, I treat and I, I, I text it on to them. Mm-hmm. I'm very personal like that, as you know. Yeah. I, I very, I'm very connected with people that yeah. I interact with. I do. They're just not finished with me when they leave. Yeah, they become a part of my life because I, I genuinely care about them to try and help them to move on. You know, but um, it's one of my favorite things, and mm-hmm. I get them to say it, and it's um. If I always do what I've always done, I will always get what I've always gotten. Mm. Rather than me saying, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always gotten. I want them to say it to themselves. The penny drops like that. <laughs> and I say, think about it now again. If you're always doing what you've always been doing, you're getting the same results, albeit negative. What do you got to do in order to change the way you're feeling and to transition in life? Change your doing. Mm. Do something exactly. different. Change your whole Start personality. It yeah, it's like in um, when I'm working with um, people in non addiction services, like mm. like it's it's like uh, nothing changes if nothing changes. Correct. It's the same thing, really. It's the same thing, isn't yeah. it? But it's like you can't you can't have all the fruits of recovery and a good life. You keep if you you can't you can't you can't do this and have all that. You mm. know, you have to kind of do different things and try new things mm. and meet new people and have new experiences. Mm. But you know, for People that um, have never went through therapy, or um, and they might be spiritually stuck, as maybe me and Timmy might see it. You know, mm. um, in terms of it's not so bad. The life isn't so bad, but it's not good. They're not happy with how things are. They're kind of meandering along in yeah. a bit of mediocrity and unhappiness. You know, yeah. Is there any practical things people can do to kind of um, raise their energy, improve their outlook? Um, in terms of books, any books you've read? Or yeah, yeah. Um, firstly, I would say embrace how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. This is happening for a reason. And you need to question, why is this happening to me? What you resist persists and it will just get worse. And unexpressed emotions become suppressed and this is where they become toxic, okay? Mm-hmm. So whatever you're going through in your life, I would normally say when I'm working with my clients, I'd say, look, I now choose to uh, just accept what's going on in my mind and my body, and I offer no more resistance. I now choose to let go, and I am open to change. It's a game changer. Mm. I surrender, and I forgive myself. Regarding books, where do I start? 
you know what what, is, what a good book is for for people that um that okay the secret book a lot of people have heard that yeah okay and I think it's a wonderful book for getting somebody on on the road to um learning about what I'm speaking about really you know um it's really really informative it can be a game changer for a lot of people it's a wonderful book to start off with um another book would be um Norman Vincent Peale the power of positive thinking and um it's one of the one of the things I I, I say in my talk he when he went to school there was a new teacher started so going back many many years ago in the states and he came into the classroom and he wrote up I can't and he said to the class all kids what's the matter with this word nobody could get it he went up and he erased the T take away the T and I can and you can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anybody can mm-hmm. it all starts in a state of consciousness mm-hmm. What you believe about yourself, what you think about yourself, what you say about yourself, and what you feel about yourself. There's nobody to blame. There's no circumstances, situations, or events to blame. Some people blame circumstances for their their turmoil and their doom and gloom in life. But there's an old saying, people that blame circumstances, the bus leaves every day. Yeah. Okay? Mm. So... You if you're going to be, through, you don't have to be the victim. No, right? no, no, no. You don't. You got to take full responsibility for how you're feeling and whatever is going on in your life. I choose to take full responsibility. I accept what's going on. I offer no more resistance. I am now willing to heal and to move forward in my life and learn from my past so-called negative experiences, which, as we transition through life and as we grow, become very positive. What I call golden nuggets that we've learned from and you're a testament mm. from what you've learned from and how far you've come and how you've grown mm. to have gone through what you've gone through and to be here doing this podcast with so much confidence and your self-esteem has gone through the roof and the courage that you're actually doing this and you're embracing your emotional state and your feelings and you're just putting it out there and being very very transparent Thank you couldn't you. have done that five years ago Mm. Five, definitely years, not. five oh. years ago I was um, probably thinking about taking my own life yeah. um, and pr- I was going to a doctor and doctor to, to see um, could he put me on some form of mm. anti-depression tablet something yeah. to, to stop me constantly thinking you know and then my energy <coughs> was very low and I was just I was just was not well you know mm. I was just not but I was trying to show a brave face within the did the house and, yeah. and with all the people around me because mm. I was in recovery and it was a few years in recovery and people would have looked up to me a little bit because I was of where I was coming from. Yeah. You know, but I was in an awful, awful, awful state, you know. Um, mm. So it's... Yeah, like when we, we um, like yeah. when me and Timmy are on this podcast and when we, you know, we leave ourselves vulnerable for people... Mm. It's for us too. Mm. This is very therapeutic for me and Timmy. We meet people every week, and we're privileged to do it. Yeah. You know, and we can talk open with people. Um, it's very therapeutic for me and Timmy yeah. um, to have guests like you on. Yeah. It's very therapeutic for people watching. But also, like when we, me and Timmy, talk about stuff that affects us, it kind of leave show a bit of vulnerability for us. Mm. It just shows people um, that are watching that. You don't have to be present as this macho man all the time. No. So there's nobody like that. No. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't like that. Neither does Rambo. 
Everybody feels anxious sometimes. Everybody feels fearful, hurt, insecure. Doesn't matter who you are, yeah. you know. But there's a culture where we don't acknowledge it. It's not me, you know. Are you, the boys are only softies, you know. It's not. Yeah. It's definitely you. It's it's probably you more than anybody else. I agree, hundred percent. You know. How do you deal with somebody? How do you help somebody to tap into that little bit of vulnerability? I suppose it's about getting a bit of a, a bit of a relationship with somebody them, you can trust. Yeah, I get them to believe in themselves, and it happens very fast, very fast. Mm. You know, because again, we're going through life, living from past experiences and so-called truths that were instilled in us from peers and family members, teachers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you get to a certain age, you can start to question these things. And they're not always truths, you know. Mm. But the things that have happened in the past, we hold on to in our subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is the filing system for the conscious mind thinking, which is the mind that we're thinking now. So everything we're thinking now, we're planting seeds in the subconscious mind. Mm. And I liken the subconscious mind to a fertile land, okay? So what you're going to plant in a fertile land, you want it to grow into fruition. You want it to be the best fruit, for instance, you want it to be the tallest oak trees. So you're going to be very selective with the seeds that you plant in that fertile land. The same with your subconscious mind. Be very careful the thoughts that you think, which are seeds that you're planting in the fertile land, which is your subconscious mind, which will grow after their kind. Mm. It's imperative that you start to learn how to siphon through your thoughts, how to accept them or, or disregard them. Um, because, as you know, guys, probably sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day that we have, most mm -hmm. of them negative. The most important thing, and people ask me all the time, Jesus, sure, intrusive, repetitive thoughts. I was there myself. I was like that for years. Nobody knew it like that. I was suffering from depression mm -hmm. and severe anxiety and constant, I mean constant, repetitive, intrusive negative thoughts from the time I opened my eyes in the morning to the time I went to bed. And you know what it's like, guys. You're trying to function as a, as a, as a father or a husband and you're trying to do your job and all this is going through your mind constantly. But I learnt, I taught myself how to get through all this and to get out of it. And um, one of the things I say is with these negative thoughts and these positive thoughts, they're going to come. But people say, Joe, how do I stop them? You're not going to be able to stop them. Let's be realistic about this, okay? But you can choose what thoughts you're going to think. So when the negative thoughts come, the intrusive thoughts, you just say, stop, okay? In your mind, or say it out loud if you're on it, stop. Does this thought serve me? Yes or no? If it doesn't, I just allow you to move on. So look at it like a conveyor belt, right? Not everything on, on let's say a conveyor belt, a shopping conveyor, that's a conveyor yeah, belt, isn't it? Yeah. Shopping conveyor belt. So not everything is nice on the conveyor belt. Sometimes when you do your shopping, not a lot of people like broccoli, right? But behind the broccoli, there's a bar of chocolate. So the, the, the negative thought is the broccoli. So you go, no, don't want that. Leave that pass by. Oh, positive bar of chocolate. You know, be selective with the thoughts that you're going to take in. Because again, they will grow after their own kind when you plant it in your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be happening all day long. Yes, it takes a bit of work. Takes a lot of meditation, doesn't it? And, it, and, it does. And building it your does, focus, and, but and it doesn't have to be that hard. Once you come to the decision that you know something, I am about to change my life because nobody else can do it for me. I can get all the help from the likes of Jar and 
and yourselves and other therapists and counsellors and psychiatrists who all do a fantastic job and psychologists, etc., etc., and mentors, brilliant. But if I don't start to take full responsibility for the way I am in my life now and the way I want to progress in life, nothing is going to change. So I come to a conscious decision now and say, right, I am now willing to take full responsibility and to move forward in life and let nothing stand in my way. This is the way you've got to speak to yourself if you want things to change. And the two most important words on the planet I instill it with every client. I am. The two most important words. Everything that follows I am you become. So if you're listening to a negative person and they're speaking such as I'm not good enough. I'm not going to amass to anything. I'm just a waste of time. Negative, negative, negative. What does negativity do? It lowers your vibrational frequency. And we live in a vibrational-based universe and everything vibrates at a particular frequency. Our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings create our emotions, and our emotions create our vibrational frequency. A lot of people think that the law of attraction is, is it, but it's not. Behind the law of attraction is the law of vibration. So what you're vibrating out into universal consciousness, you're bringing back into your experience through the premise of the law of attraction. And that's not an abstract notion, because if, you, if you're in a room, right... Where say four four of us in here now and having a conversation, and somebody comes in that door doesn't have to come from a funeral, mm. right? They don't have to open their mouths. They'll bring down the vibration frequency in the yeah. room straight away. Yeah, isn't it? If yeah. they're coming from a fucking a party, they come in, they're buzzing. All of a sudden, the mood goes up in the room. Do you know? Mm. That's that. That's a kind of a, a way where you could actually measure. That it's not something that's out there airy fairy. It's actually real. Do you know what I mean? It is real. It is unfair play to you for picking up on it, you know. But mm. talking about vibration and energies and that, right? I don't know what your take on it that we're, we're all one, that mm. we're all connected. Would you would you go with that? Or yeah, I would. would you be? I, I what would. about what you? Mean by that? That we're all one. We are all interconnected all energetically. Wise, like everybody is connected to the same thing. We're all we're all connected. True frequency and energy. I understand. True energy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We, I, I do think you that, know what I mean? that, that we are connected mm. energetically wise. Definitely. And, do you know it's very important as well for a lot of people that probably wouldn't have much education around the, the energy side of it. Uh, we'll try to explain it a little bit. We're all made of energy, right? Mm-hmm. We're 99.9999% mm-hmm. energy and 0. 0.0000. Mm. 0.1% of matter you know like all we can see is the matter I can see Joe I can see you I can see the telly you know I can't see his energy field which is Mm. a a lot bigger than what you can see the matter here in front of me Mm. you know we can't see that Mm. but I've often visualised and I believe in it I believe in it because it's science and yeah. it's the truth is, is, is factual, like, you know, mm. that there's an energy field around your, Ron, you, and that trans, that, that just transfers into the, the atmosphere how we feel within us. Mm. So it might be negative and that energy is negative mm. and we can pick up on that negative energy, mm. other human beings, because your own energy will drop. Mm. You know, so what we what we what we call negative yeah. energy? Would, that, would you agree? Do you know, hundred percent. What we call negative well. energy could be called low frequency energy. Are you talking my language? But you know what I was mm. what I was reading recently as mm. well as uh, scientists now believe that um, 
we're it's actually like we're not actually a solid beings. No, we're not. Do you know? But do you know what? Do you know what I was thinking? Right? Mm. Do you ever take acid? You don't have to answer that. Do you ever take acid, Timmy? <laughs> I did, but I didn't like Just it. indulge me now for a second. If you ever take acid, right, it's a hallucinogen. Everything starts moving, right? Like, there's nothing is static. Nothing at all is static. Everything. You can see the energy pulsing out of stuff, do you mm. know? Um, who's to say that that's not what reality actually is? Yeah. Do you know? It's like our brain likes to simplify things, but our brain, like what we perceive through the senses, doesn't mean that it's actual reality. Yeah. Do you know? You know, let's say, for example, if you see a bang and you hear a noise, there's space in between. A lot can happen in between. So by the time you hear something, that doesn't mean the bang happened. No, it's actually in the past already. You know, so the brain likes to make stuff simple for us. So instead of us looking at our hands and looking at all these waves, no, it's not. It it solidifies everything for us to help us understand it, you know. But that doesn't mean, like... And it goes back to this other book, the Eckhart Hall book that I rambling on about the last yeah. four or five weeks. That's good, though. But he's talking about like um, the mind is helpful, but the mind doesn't tell you the facts. Like the mind is helpful. The mind will help you <clears throat> put labels on stuff and it'll help you try to understand stuff. But the mind doesn't know everything at all. You know, and your being, who you are is much more than that. Mm-hmm. Your mind, uh, and we were talking about earlier on there as well around, um, you know, the negative self-talk, the thinking mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Kind of what I've been doing now since I was talking to you and leading up to it is just, um, do you know, when the negative self-talk comes in, do you know, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? You're out of shape and you're not good enough for the people. Yeah. yeah, that type mm. of thing. It's like um, when I started reading that book, it's like uh, you're not your thinking. That's what he was saying. You're not your thinking. So it's just like observing it, like observing the thinking mm. from who I am really. Mm. So here it is now again. This thinking always helpful when I need to do an exam mm. or write an essay. But at this moment in time, the thinking isn't helpful. Mm. You know, yeah. the mind sometimes is helpful, but other times it's not. But your mind is not you, and we're much more than our thinking. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, you could say like, I I am not this body. I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. I am not my feelings. I am not my thought perceptions. I am the soul that mm. I am, and the soul is the true essence of who we all are. That's your higher self. And I connect with my soul on a daily basis with things that I, I personally do. And a lot of people don't, are not aware of it. But your soul is the true essence of who you are. And the soul wants to have fun in this physical body, in this time, place, dimension. That's all the soul wants to do. So when your self-dialogue is, I'm not good enough, your soul is literally like crying in the background saying, mm. stop it, mm-hmm. you know. Stop it. Wake up, you know. Yeah. You are not this body. You are the soul, which is the true essence of who you are. Captivate it. Draw me in, you know, and connect with your soul on a daily basis. And when you start to connect with your soul, boy, mm-hmm. to exchange. Yeah, you become your authentic self. You've had, you said it. Yeah. You said yeah. it, Tim. Can I, can, I, um, can I change direction? You can, of course. For just to finish up in the last 10, 15 minutes. Something that be very dear to both your hearts. Mm. It's around construction industry, mental health, suicide, mm. uh, because you've been in construction industry for about 60, 70 years between you. Mm. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? About why in the construction industry there is a mental health crisis, that there is way more suicides in relative to other industries? Yeah. You can go okay. on there first. Um, 
There's over 500 people a year mm. take their lives in Ireland. Just statistics, okay? There's 1.4 million people in the United States attempted to take their own lives. 48,000 people took their own lives in 2018 in the United States. There's 18 people take their own lives a day in the UK, primarily men. The statistics are shocking here when you try to look up, you know, 2019, whatever. They're just not there mm. in Ireland, you know. Um, it's it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. There's a person takes their own life every 40 seconds. So by the time we started this podcast and by the time we finish... It's probably 100 people. Yeah, died. do the maths. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really, really sad. Now... I don't know, Tim, have you gone onto a site mm. where one of our work colleagues, I don't mm. care if you're working up in Dublin or you're in Belfast, you're my work colleague at the end of the day. And we have that camaraderie in, in the construction industry. And have you ever gone onto a site where, where you won't say we're all personal friends and stuff, but you know the crack with the lads, mm. no matter who you are, how you getting on, bud, you know mm, what I mean? Mm. Love the, the crack on, on site with, with the chippies, the plasters, the masons, whatever, the sparkies, you know? You'll all have the crack. But have you ever gone onto a site on a Monday morning and one of your colleagues is after taking his own life the weekend? Mm. Have you? Have I ever gone onto a site and on it has happened? And yeah. you've met one of the lads and said, mm, John's after dying, yeah? I, I have. believe what's after happening, John. Yeah. I'm going it's well. more than so once, like... And the same here. A lot of times. What happens? How do you feel? Like someone, someone's close is after dying. Yeah, someone close is after. Heart drops. Heart mm. drops. Mm. And I gave a talk in another pharmaceutical company. And there was a man came up to me after the talk, right? Yeah. And as you can see, I get very passionate mm. about what I'm talking about here. And after the talk, he said, um, he was crying. Everybody left the room. He was crying. He said I wasn't coming in this morning, Joe, if you know what I mean. So oh, I know exactly what you okay, mean. Okay. And instantly I said, how long have you been ta- thinking about taking your own life? And he said, a uh, couple of weeks. He broke down then again and I gave him a hug. And um, I said, come on, let's talk about it. He said, there's nothing to talk about. He said, it's after lifting. He said, I feel absolutely fantastic. I got disturbed this morning, if you know what I mean. I said, I do. And... Um, Thanks be to God, the man came in to work. But he said, uh, he was coming in, he said, uh, he met somebody saying, there's a guy going giving a talk on mental health and well-being. And he said, you know what I said to him, Joe? The usual old stuff, he said. What am I going to learn from that? But he said, I ended up coming in anyway. And he said, everything's after changing, right? Now, that man was that close. And I've heard that from a couple of other lads that had given talks. And they'd come up to me afterwards saying that their son was thinking about taking his own life, right? In construction again. Um... I've been on sites, right, where let's say there was 16 lads in a, in a subbies company, right? And I, I, I got talking to lads and stuff, as you do, you know. And mm. a lot of the boys would have known what I was doing then outside of work, you know. And uh, in one particular company, subby company, there was uh, 12 of the lads on antidepressants and anxiety tablets, out of 16, you know. The stresses that a construction worker has to go through, the trials and tribulation of life, trying to be a partner, a husband and a father outside of work and having to deal with the pressure in work. Don't get me wrong, targets have to be made. 
money has to be made for those directors fr- involved. Would your, would your frustrations be directed at the contractors who don't have the like the duty carers and the employer to look after the staff? Yeah, not just on the site, but the well-being as well. The main contractors, because yeah. the subbies would love to have uh, people going and giving talks on mental health and well-being, and it should be down to the client to to make sure that the the main contractors get people in to give talks. No. Fair enough, there's talks in Mental Health Week. That's just one week. And that's one hour, one talk mm. for a couple of, a couple. we say 100 lads or something, right? And it could be broken down. But that's one hour in one year where you're trying to help guys that are mm. suffering. Not all of them, but the majority of guys, and I think you'll agree to him, are carrying something. But my my viewing on the construction industry, from my own experience as well, growing up, the reason I got involved in the construction, now looking back in hindsight, it was because it was an area that I didn't have to think because I was using my hands so much. Mm. I wasn't caught up in my head <laughs> and I wasn't depressed, you know, because I was actually working. And I think it's an area that... It takes a lot of men like me into it, you know, and there's an example of, let's say, this year now, COVID-19 and all these mm. things, right? We had so many construction workers being out of work for so long, and a lot of these men are quite like me, but I'm in a different place. I'm, I I can sit with myself, but I didn't always, and I use drugs and drink yeah. a lot to be able to sit myself when, when I wasn't working, you know, because I couldn't function. You know, yeah. but there was a lot of them were told go home on a Thursday or a Wednesday and they were home for three months yeah. and they didn't know what to do with themselves. Then you have the lockdowns. You can't do your, you can't go size your two kilometers or five kilometers. A lot of them were using substances and, and, and a lot of them were doing the, the online gambling and, mm. and, and alcohol. But there was a lot of them. Probably they take their own lives. You know, because they there couldn't ha- they couldn't handle. No, there was. You know, and there is a complete lack of education within the construction industry about uh, mental health. It's a complete. I done a, my dissertation last year mm. in in my fourth year around the mental health in the construction industry. I know that's very broad, mm. but it was broke down in the subcontractors area, and the statistics like were like there was one statistic there, and it came from the UK, like you spoke. In Ireland, you don't get information. And I think out of every four suicides within the UK, um, three of those would be within the construction yeah. industry, the, the males, you know. Mm. It has the highest, it has the higher, higher rate than any of the other in industries put together, mm. you know, because of some of the reasons that I just spoke about there. But I think, you know, when men finish work or finish school, like yourself and Timmy, 15, 16 years of age, go into the construction industry, become very skilled tradesmen yeah. but they mightn't have fucking fuck all life skills outside of that should you think it should be part of the apprenticeship it should be there should be an awful yeah. lot implemented in the apprenticeship I think there should an be an awful lot there should be something like we have a safe pass within the system yeah. for physical health yeah why isn't there something to educate people around mental health? Mm. You see fellas walking around there on a Monday and a Tuesday after the weekends and mm. their heads don't... It might be because they have no drugs or drinking they could have They could have snorted or gambled their wages no. and now on Monday morning, mm. the guilt of it, yeah, I know that suicide yeah. might start to look as an option, you know? Mm. Look at it this way, guys, right? And Tim will know, right? 
if you go onto a, a major site now, for instance, I have a couple of hundred lads on it, right? And, um, you know, you, you have an issue with, with the engineering, right? How many engineers are on that site? Mm. Roughly. It could be 20 or 30, yeah? Okay? If you have a problem, let's say, with the block work needs to be rectified, there's plenty of masons there that would put that right, okay? Mm. There's a problem, you know, in one of the commie rooms, comes, comes rooms with the electrics, there's dozens of electricians there that will put that right. Health and face, safety, plenty of them there. Mm. How many people yeah. can a construction worker go to if he's suffering with his mental and emotional health on that size? There's nothing there. There's nothing. And, you know, I, I, I see a lot of these bigger companies being a little bit fake in the last few de- years with all this ISO certification because they need to have these this, mm. this certain amount of What's work. ISO certification? It's a certificate. Certifi- I'll leave Jordan explain a little bit more, but it's a certificate that you get because it's where you're, um, you have these certain kind of limited guidelines done and you're, you're a safe company. To it's work like a minimum with. standard. Yeah, because you're a high quality, you know. But no, I wouldn't be great around terminology and stuff yeah. like that, Jory, you know. And that's okay, but I do understand, you know, I do understand why a lot of these companies get it done. They might bring someone in for one hour and um, to talk to the lads for 50 lads and, and then they can, then say they can get then. this sort and say oh yeah oh we've mental uh, we help our employees with mental health mm. we've given this talk that talk nobody will probably the only talk in three years mm. you know yeah, but the talk that they're giving then are yeah. they actually connecting with the lads that's the big difference you know when you're talking to somebody right you got to talk from your heart mm. and it, you've got to talk from your heart and you've got to be genuine because people aren't stupid so if you're going to talk to a lot of lads You've got to lead with your heart. Mm. And you've got to be compassionate and you've got to em- have empathy for these other people that you do not know what's what's going on. And I always say, I call it the art of allowing, okay? Allow people to be who they are and what they are and don't pass judgment. Mm. No matter what, mm. no matter what, because you don't know what that person's been through. You don't know what that person's going through at the moment. So be very careful how you treat and how you speak to people, not just on building sites, but in life in general. Because everybody's going through with some sort of a burden and carrying a cross. We should be kinder to one another. There's too much aggression. There's too much violence in this world today. We should try and look after one another and help one another out. Back to what we were saying there about giving talks, right? I approached a major company that I'd given talks on site and the feedback was brilliant. And I was delighted I had the connection with the lads. And I said, right, I propose that I come in as a subcontractor myself. And I go to your sites around Ireland and in Europe, okay, for one day. And I'll give a talk, but I'll also be on site if any one of the construction workers want to come and seek some counselling. Because the majority of guys will not seek anybody outside of their work. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a fantastic idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They thought it was. That's what I thought. Mm. But nothing happened. Nothing happened whatsoever. It's just seen as yeah. like an add-on. It's, you know, Didn't want to know. They thought it was brilliant, but then when the, the dust settled, yeah, you know, there was an awful lot of guys coming up talking to me on like. site, you see. Mm. And when they're coming up talking to me on site, they're not working. Oh, I see, I see, I see. And, like, there's no better part. It's like, it's, it's like the, the, 
the drug addict and they want to get into recovery, they're going to go to uh, a, a recovering addict. There's nobody on the site. Like, when they see Jor or somebody that has been in the industry for so long at the level of the trade that's mingling with the lads, mm-hmm. the respect that... And oh, the, do you know, the, the respect within him because where he was, you know, and they're going to listen to him. Do you oh. know, he's not this psychologist coming in that's after being in college for 10 years. He's a guy that's after being working with them for the last 30 years and now he's educated in the mental health, right? And he's going in there. That's why fellas will listen to him, you know? Do you know, what's, do you know what I was thinking about there as well when Timmy was talking there? Um, in prison and some of the lads in prison watch, you know what they'd know, like, but in prison, the Samaritans, uh, they have a listener program. Mm. Mm-hmm. So on each landing, or wing, you have uh, somebody who's designate, who's a designated listener. Mm. So um, if anybody is struggling with any personal issues, mm. mental health or otherwise, that this they, they can knock on the door and get the officers to open the door and let them down to that person. Brilliant. So that person has his cell door open all the time. That's and, fantastic. And, and maybe if you could do something like that within the construct, for every fucking 15 men on the site, you have to have one listener. Yeah, you know? And everybody knows Joe is the plaster. Mm. Everybody knows Joe is trained with this. Joe is the person to go to. It can be done discreetly. And, you know, mm. uh, what do you think about something like that? I think it's fantastic. It's, good idea, yeah. it's like what I was trying to get through to this company, mm. you know. But I'd also said, do the, the top brass realise that I helped save a man's life three weeks ago, mm. which they were aware of, but it was brushed under the carpet. Mm-hmm. You know? Because if it doesn't make money to them, it doesn't make sense, unfortunately. No. But I'm hoping to change that, you know. Yeah, no better buckle. And I'm going around it in, in such a way and being transparent yeah. about it. I'm, I'm being honest and open to people. I mean, I know that, as I said, targets need to be made as directors of companies. I respect all that. Mm. But you've got to respect your workforce too. A happy, a happy worker is a safe worker. And it's all about health and safety today. Mm. If you're going into work and you've got so much turmoil and trauma in your head, you cannot possibly focus on a safe task yeah. and do it properly to your ability. Yeah. You just can't do it. But, Accidents will occur. But there's a ton of science to back up. Like, uh, if you look after your workers' well-being, they increase productivity. Yeah. That's a fact. Like, yeah. it's Masters, the same. Yeah. They, they, they're big into that in the tech side, the tech world, you know. Absolutely. They really look yeah. after their employees, but they make billions for them. Mm. There's a the, slow with the construction industry. One of the biggest losses in productivity within the construction in, industry is accidents through poor mental health mm. and the other one is absenteeism mm. which is people staying out of work mm. because they can't go to work over their mental health they're the two biggest losses yeah um, two of some of the biggest losses yeah. a lot of things you know there's other stuff now like the practical stuff like poor drawings and bad design and all yeah. these different things but absenteeism and um Fuck it, what's the other one? Mental health. Yeah. yeah. In, in the United States, again, statistics, right? $900 million a year because of absenteeism and mm. mental health issues. $900 million. Mm. Mm. If you yeah. look after employees' well-being, then pay for itself for and then like some. You know? It costs a fraction of that to look after them. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just that it, kind of industry. Um, is, is it okay if I talk about something else? I think it's Do. important Horse to the mind. lads and I'm not, I'm not saying, no, you know, geez, I know there's a lot of ladies and stuff watching, but it's just yeah, if you don't mind, with respect to yeah. all, all the girls that are listening in as well. Yeah. I mean, I just want to talk about cancer. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah. Um, and I know the ladies do their own things and get checked out and stuff, but lads don't, um, they don't get checked out for cancer, you know? 
they don't get checked out at all. And it's one of the highest rates of, of deaths in Ireland is uh, cancer and prostate cancer being, being up, at the, up at the top. And you're probably 25.5% more likely to, you know, get prostate cancer by the age of 75 today because it's younger, it's actually guessing, you know. Mm. And um, there's, um, okay, I'll tell you my story. I was diagnosed with prostate cancer uh, Christmas week. Just and gone. I'm, I'm going to use this platform to speak about it, mm. which I think, uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm here to be able to talk about this. Mm. So if I'm going to speak about it, hopefully, again, not hopefully, I'm going to help a lot of, lot of guys out Definitely, there. You know? yeah. So I was diagnosed uh, with uh, advanced prostate cancer the day before Christmas Eve, just gone. And um, this is relevant as well about mental and emotional health, what I'm talking about here, because... You know, been going training and everything all your life, you think, well, what, what do I want to go to the doctor for? You know, and I hear people saying, I'm going to the doctor to get my blood tested. And I'm like, I'm fit, I'm training all the time, not a bother, right? So I have been to the doctor in probably 15 years, to the point where the doctor that I had seen had retired. <laughs> so they were at to me at home, and you just go away and get your blood tested, you know? Yeah. So I said, um, seven pains in my legs, right? So I said, all right, I'll get it done. So I went to the doctor, new doctor, absolutely lovely gentleman, and... I said, thanks very much. And I'd, as I was there, I had no intentions of saying it, but I said, look, doctor, would you mind doing a prostate check, please? Word just popped out. And he said, no problem, John, I'll do that. So he did a check and he came back and he, I knew then straight away, just a little bit uneven. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll get you checked out, we'll get the blood sent off and stuff. And then I got the call um, to go up to the CUH with my wife. And um, I knew what was coming. Um so he told me, he said, look, uh, Mr. O'Brien, you've advanced prostate cancer. I said, okay, what are the options? He says, you're taking that very well. I said, I am. Okay, so what are the options? So we went through the options and stuff, and um, he said, uh, it's it's gone so far, removal of the prostate, basically, you know. So, okay, I said, that's fine. He said, look, guys get very depressed. Some guys might get very depressed when they're told, and, and after the operation... Um, I said okay that's no problem and um, the reason I'm speaking about this as well because of what I'm after being true mm. I've been so strong coming up to this which mm-hmm. was a trauma to be mm. told that news that I was able to take it on the chin and handle it there and then on the spot so if you could start to train again back to young kids and stuff if you can start to train your emotional states at a young age you'll be able to withstand any traumas that come down the line, mm. which will be extremely beneficial when something like this might happen or mm. a breakup in a relationship or a marriage, yeah. which is another trauma, for instance, or financial stress. So he told me what what had, what had to happen. I said, right, what if I don't get it done? He says, you'll be dead in a couple of years, he said. So I said, right. They were worried at home because I'm all alternative, right? Mm. Always have been. Mm. But the way he explained it to me, it was so advanced and I, I, I won't say I didn't have a choice I did have a choice but brilliant surgeon and the way he explained it to me I said okay let's go for it you know so it was fairly fast uh, start of February I got the got the operation um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody everybody has a different experience it was um, it was tough it was tough can I ask uh, some mm. quite some believable to know that the way you speak about it, you know, and your strength, you know, to mm. get through something like that, um, and the way you took it. But can you talk to us about prostate cancer itself? Mm. 
but the check is it an invasive check is it fingers up it's the, fingers up, the, up up the, the back passage yeah yeah and is the procedure that too is it local anesthetic or are you no you're, you're conscious and it, it, it only lasts a second you know and um but we know when you got it removed mm-hmm. was we was that we uh, knocked out call for that I was I was in I was it was a major operation mm. um like I was told what would happen afterwards and I'm having the crack with um, all the nurses and stuff. And I'm very good with names. And I knew everybody's name. There was about 12 of them now. Mm. And when I came about, when I was up in the bed, I knew everybody that came. I knew all their first names, you know. Mm, yeah. I said, how do you remember my name? You know, I just kind of stuck it in there. I might not always get that right, you know. Mm. So I woke up. I'm going to know. I'm, I'm going to all... I, I went in. And you know what I did now? It's crazy, like... Just before I went in, I did 50 press-ups on the bathroom floor, right? You know, I just say, right, let's, let's take this on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I love press-ups. And again, about, you know, we could go on talking about fellas saying there was no gym. Use the body you were born mm-hmm. with, use isometric movements, you know? James yeah. does them body in the bathroom movement. before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy does dips for the photo. Yeah. A hundred dips for the photo. <laughs> but yeah, that was my little story going in. But um, yeah. on a serious note, I, um, I woke up um, and there was tubes coming out of places where they shouldn't have come out, you know? I'd, uh, I'd, 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 I'd chew up my penis up into the bladder. Mm. I'd have for about 10 days another bag sticking out of my stomach, which was inserted into my stomach, to drain all the fluid and stuff, you know. So I was having to carry that around, extremely uncomfortable. And for a guy that never took a drug in his life, mm, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm literally drugged out of it with the medication, you know. And, you know, I went on a couple of days anyway, and I, I took it. Not a bother. And of course, I feel so sorry for the people that had loved ones in the hospital that actually passed away, you know. Mm. Horrendous, you know. Didn't bother me. You know, people couldn't come up to see me. That's fine. But there's people in worse states that couldn't you get to see their loved job. ones. Yeah. Yeah. But that it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me, you know. Mm. Uh, it's, again, it's down to strength of mind, lads. Yeah. Honestly, it's everything. It's everything. So, I'm kind of, I'm, it's extremely uncomfortable. You're going to the toilet and you can't go to the toilet and you've got this bag and you've got to empty the bag. And What's the purpose of the prostate? It's the prostate. Um, do, you, do you know what the purpose of the prostate is? I don't, to be honest. I haven't a clue what the two of you are talking about. I know the prostate is a gland connected to the sex organs of yeah, the male. Yeah. And I know it, 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 it works all that. It works um, the erection and the, the ejaculation and, yeah, and everything else that goes Yeah, it's that, a re- you know? reproductive organ. Yeah. Right, so you won't be having no more kids. That's it, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I got through that, but I, I was left out, and I got a, I got an infection. I got a bad infection. Um, I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but I, I, I've started this. This now, and I want to carry it through. I got very, very ill. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at home, and um, I, I was that ill. They thought I was, I was a goner, and I was that ill. I said, if I need to go now, just take me. Mm. Now, I know what it's like to be sick with the chicken pox when I was, I got them when I was old and the flu. Yeah. I know what it's like to be sick, but now I know what it's like to be ill. So I can relate to people that are that are going through illness and that might have an illness in the future. I was very, very, very ill. Um, I got through it and then um, I came out. I came out and um, I was... Uh, <laughs> Surgeon said to me, "You can't do any lifting. You can't train or anything for about three months. The heaviest you can weigh lift is um one kg, 
And uh, I was left out on a Saturday after the second episode when it was better. Yeah. And um, Wednesday I was training. Mm. I was back training. Very mm. light now, mind you. Mm. Lifting an empty bar, but yeah. it was up there. You know? It sounds like the, the infection scared you a little bit more than the initial operation. You know what? It, did, it, it didn't even scare me, James. But it's that question your morality or your mortality. I was vulnerable. Yeah. I was very vulnerable and, and it was like acceptance. I'm, I'm here. This, this is literally out of my control. I'm in, I'm in the hands of the divine, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. You know? I've read I've read recently about um, you know, people that uh, are in near death or th- mm. th- they've been given a diagnosis that's terminal and mm-hmm. that at, at that moment you'll be the most conscious you'll ever be because all the other stuff doesn't matter anymore. Mm. Do you know, all this thinking about what happened in the past, what might happen in the future. Yeah. It's just you're in the present moment. Yeah. What was your experience of? It was very, uh, I was very humbled, to be honest with you. I felt an awful lot of love, which I always had anyway, for everybody. You know, I just I just love everybody, mm. basically, you know. Um, and uh, I'd like that's, to try and express that. Go that's brilliant. I'd, I'd like to try and express yeah. that, you know. Um, that's brilliant. And just being myself, but I felt an awful lot of love. And there was three other guys in the ward with me, and I literally ended up counselling them. Mm. You know, <laughs> I did. I did. It was fantastic. You know, it was yeah. absolutely brilliant. There was an old boy next to me. He was in far worse shape than I was, and I spent a lot of time with him and the other two lads across from me, just reassuring him that everything would be all right. You know, yeah. And uh, that made me feel good then because I was I was helping somebody. You know, yeah. but I'll always remember the day again. And and I know I'm going on about it, lads, saying everything is a state of mind. It all depends on what way you take it in, okay? When I was told that news on the day that I've advanced prostate cancer, um, I was back home within two hours and I saw a client mm. and it was as if I was through nothing. Mm. And it just went on from there then again, you know? And it's still been the same. And um, I was up in the bonds yesterday. I had to get a CT scan and I'm going through seven weeks of radiotherapy in I think the next two to three weeks time every day okay. can I ask you this and you don't have to know if you don't want to because this just blew, threw me off track the other night would you like to tell people how old you are not at all um, how old are you? I'm coming up to my 58th birthday yeah you look a million dollars Jesus I said that to Timmy yeah. after I came over I said fuck it he'd book in handshake like Schwartz and he'd bit like a tank you know? <laughs> I actually but thought was great there, wasn't, there wasn't much of a, a gap between me and you mm. like I'm mm. 40 and I didn't really think that you were much older than me yeah yeah. you know uh, you look after your mind and the mind looks after the body yeah, and stuff like, and like your body is a reflection of the, of the balance of your thoughts mm. and your body responds according to the content of your thoughts everything again is back down to your thoughts you know, the way a young kid, for instance, or an adult might be talking to themselves again, I'm not good enough and I'm worthless, okay? Mm. Your body is a reflection of the balance of your thoughts and your inner dialogue. So if you keep on affirming to yourself these negative aspects about yourself again, which are total untruths anyway, it's just a belief system that you've carried from the past, mm. then you're going to become that all day long. That's why I try to instill so much about the power of I am. Switch it around, fair enough. I'm, I'm not good enough. I am good enough. Get back in your box. I'm not good enough. I am good enough. No, you're not. I am. You've got to work at it till you get to the point where you feel it. I am good enough. Mm. And then when you start to feel it, you become it. Yeah. Put the work in. 
You have a tough no matter if you're incarcerated, that's an American word, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Locked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. If you're locked up, it makes no difference. Like I said a while ago about the circumstances, the bus leaves every day. I know it's not going to leave from the prison, no, like, you know, but you can get out of any situation that you're in because it first starts in a state of consciousness. So if you start to siphon through your consciousness, your conscious thinking, things will start to change when you start to use your God-given right, which is your creative imagination. You can create everything from your imagination. Like, knowledge will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. Mm. And sometimes people lie in bed awake, dreaming. So when you close your eyes and you visualize what you want, with dominant intent, you will attract it through mm. repetition. Mm. It's called living from the wish fulfilled. The more you believe in it, the more you focus on it, and take these seeds of positivity into the sleep state, into the subconscious mind is most active in the first couple of hours of a deep sleep state. And what you plant in that garden, that fertile garden again, will grow after its kind. So most people that are negative in their thinking before they go to bed, if they're anxious or depressed, you'll wake up again the following morning exactly mm-hmm. the same way. So you've got to plant a different thought in that garden in order to wake up in the morning to think differently. Yeah. And the first thing I say every morning when I wake up, still in the bed, I take a deep breath and I say, thank you, God, for my breath. Without it, I wouldn't be here. Why do I say that? Statistically, there's tens of thousands of people go to bed every night and they don't wake up in the morning. Mm. So it's a wonderful way to start the day. Mm. And then I say, I, I'm pre-paving the day now, okay? I'm pre-paving. I'm taking full control and full responsibility of me. So then I say, I show an attitude of gratitude. I've been doing this for years. An awful lot of people now are doing it, which is wonderful, mm. from all the books and the self-help that they're doing. But my own affirmation for that would be, you know, um, I'm truly grateful for my eyesight. And then I open my eyes to see the wonderful thoughts, feelings, and emotions, the people, circumstances, situations, and events that I'm about to draw into my life's experience this day, that will only serve me in a positive way. With infinite love and gratitude, I am truly grateful for who I am. That's mm. how I start my morning. If it's beneficial to anybody, brilliant. That'd be just beneficial to me. Fucking hell. Mm. I know, do you know the other day I was thinking, um, um, we'll finish up down on a couple of mm-hmm. seconds, Ron, but um, the other day you know, I was getting so caught up in... Um, what, what he was talking to about, you know, just about circumstances out of my control and mm-hmm. a kind of a negative, going over a negative head in me. But I was talking to Gillian there yesterday only and I was thinking about, like, um, myself and Timmy have signed with a couple of managers, right? Mm. Fantastic. That, that, you know, they see a lot of potential in me and Timmy and we think about, like, where, where are we going to be in five, six years' time, you know? Mm. But five, six years ago, I would never have imagined I'd done the things I'm doing today. And I have to remember that you know the imagination piece you spoke about there? Yeah. Use your imagination to be limiting yourself. Like, I would have never thought that I would do anything that I'm doing today five or six years ago. Mm. But you put your best foot forward and you think outside the box and you take on no opportunities. Mm. But I suppose the point I'm making is what I have today is what I dreamed about five or six years you ago, go. you know? There you go. It's know, manifested itself it in the physical world. It's like, what would it be like to have a good job where you could help people in addictions? You know, what would it be like to drive a nice car? Yeah. Or what would it be like to be proud to mm. not, to walk around your community where you're not ashamed, where you're not looking mm. at the footpath? You can actually, yeah. like, 
no, I can do these things today. So now I'm thinking, like, uh, are we going to do live gigs in the tree arena? Are we going to do, you know, like, are we going to be able to talk with the president on a stage and uh, all these mad yes, things? Like, yes, you will. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Yeah. Because they thought the things I thought I never, the things I wished for five, six years ago, I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And the things that I imagine for the future, they'll happen as well in the time. They will. Uh, we'll have you on stage too, Joe. <laughs> yeah. We're doing interactive piece, yeah. but we're going to have to finish there. If people that want to connect with you, how can they do that? Can I just say one thing before you finish up? Who, um, you're only as important as you make yourself out to be, okay? Who's the most important person in your life, James? I am. <laughs> Who's the most important person in your life? Me. Exactly. I didn't say that now with as much excitement. And, and, and again, it's not being egotistical. Yeah. You're not being selfish or you're yeah. discarding the ones that you love most. But for the viewers and stuff, if you don't believe in yourself, okay, mm. if you don't value who you are and your self-worth, nobody else will. Yeah. Okay? You, you and you can't give what you don't have inside. Yeah. No. You can't be there for the, the people that need you either. No. Yeah. You're yeah. only as important as you make yourself out to be. Brilliant. Uh, where can people... Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram, yeah. At Ger O'Brien. Um, we'll tag your uh, name yeah. and that on and, the um, description. And I have a website video. as well. www. JoeRobrain.com Fuck it, that was very creative, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's only one Joe O'Brien, you see. <laughs> well done, Joe. Best of luck with, Thanks the, a lot, best luck with the radiation therapy. Thank you very much. And we'll be in contact anyway going that. forward. Thanks. thanks so much for uh, allowing me to speak about that. I'm really, really grateful. And can I just finish up um, that you're actually inspiring me, lads, on top of everything else. And um, full credit to you. Thank you. And thanks to the to the viewers that watch the podcast for um putting Jor on our radar, do you know? And, and yeah, for and, and it's the word by word of mouth, this all grows by word of mouth. So if you have good guests that you think would be good for the podcast, yeah. let us know and we see everybody next week. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks everybody. Everyone. God Thank bless. You. Thanks God very bless. much. Bye-bye. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the sun. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.